Today I have four steps for revising your book like a boss. Revising may not be your favorite part of the writing process, and if that's the case, it's okay. Every writer has their own favorite part. For me, it's the big magic. More on that later. But it is very important, so listen up, and hopefully you'll get some tips from today's episode. Hello, hello. I'm Melissa Bourbon, and this is the Writer Spark podcast where business, creativity, and the craft of writing converge. Welcome. 15 years ago, I was an avid reader, but not a writer. I didn't know anything about the actual craft, and I knew next to nothing about the publishing industry. But I had a dream to become a published author, and I set out to learn everything I could. Now, I'm a number one Amazon and national best-selling author of more than 35 novels. I've published traditionally, and I recently plunged into the world of indie publishing. And I teach people like you how to grow in their craft and find success in this ever-changing industry. I'm an ordinary person, a wife, a mom, a daughter, a teacher, living in a small North Carolina town. Through Spark. I am doing what I love more than anything in the world, which is teaching and helping others on their writing journeys. I'm here as your partner, as you navigate your own writing journey. I'm here to help you understand the essential elements of the writing craft, to build your confidence, and to help you find the success you desire. Welcome to the Writer Spark Podcast. Every writer has their own favorite part. For me, it's the big magic. I'll talk about that more in a second. Also for me, starting the story is absolutely, without a doubt, unequivocally the most challenging part of writing. I think it's because I don't know the characters well enough, especially if it's in a first-in-series book. It's hard to write really well-crafted characters when you don't know them super well. So for me, the beginning is difficult. It's also when I introduce new characters, and since I write mysteries, among other things, that means I'm adding people to my red herring situations. I'm creating false suspects, and I'm fleshing out the victim and the villain. I don't know any of those people either. And as I write the book, they evolve, they develop, and I get to know them much, much better. So after I finish writing the first draft of a book, I inevitably end up going back to the beginning and reworking it. I do this because all those characters, new and old, have, again, evolved through the writing process. I understand so much more about them. This is my opportunity then to fine-tune the early renditions of these people based on my new knowledge of them, based on what I know of how they react in a certain situation, what their personality quirks might be. Whatever I've crafted them into over the course of writing the novel, I am much clearer on now. And so I go back to the beginning to revise and to to really enhance them. I have four steps though beyond that that I use to help keep me on track with the revision process. That's what I'm sharing later in this episode. Before that though, I wanna talk real briefly about the big magic I mentioned earlier. Big Magic is a book by Elizabeth Gilbert. I read it with my mastermind group, which consists of just three people, all creatives, and we meet at least once a month, sometimes more, to be accountable to our creative lives. 
and we read a book, we discuss that book, we give updates on our progress, on our accomplishments, our successes from the prior month, and look at our goals for the month ahead. We recently read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Essentially, Big Magic are unplanned creative moments that happen. That's it in a nutshell. There's a lot more to the book, of course, but that was one of the big takeaways for me was these magic moments that happen when you're writing. And now I call them big magic. Those are my big magic moments. And that is my very favorite part of the writing process. It's when I'm writing, I'm researching, something happens and bam, I have this big magic moment, something I couldn't have planned, I couldn't have prepared for, I couldn't have pulled from my brain at all without some sort of magic happening. This has happened most viscerally when I wrote the Pippin Lane Hawthorne book magic books. Pippin is a bibliomancer. Bibliomancy is an ancient divination by which a person takes a divine book of some sort, the Quran, the Bible, the Torah, something like that, and places it on its spine. You have a question in mind or something that you're trying to sort out, and you let the book fall open, and something reveals itself to you on those pages, whether it's about the past or the future. Nostradamus is probably the most well-known bibliomancer. Stitchomancy is similar to It does not use a divine book. It uses any kind of book. So I took some liberties there in this particular series. Pippin is a bibliomancer. Actually, she does stitchomancy because she uses regular books. It's a very bookish kind of series with lots of references to different um, literary works, contemporary and historical. I love this series. There are Irish deities. There's a 2,000-year-old curse. There is Irish and Roman history. As I dove into research, all of those bits, things I needed to understand more clearly, I needed some specific facts, I needed some specific information. As I dove into research, I scurried down rabbit hole after rabbit hole after rabbit hole, and each one led me to information, a story, a fact, something that I hadn't known and never, ever, ever would have been able to think of on my own, which magically worked in the story. Those were big magic moments, and I love them. They gave me chills when they happened because they were so random and yet so perfect. Such a great feeling. So that is my very favorite part of writing. My second favorite part of writing is revision. As I said, writing the first draft is really hard for me. Writing the beginning, the opening is very hard for me. Revision lets me go back into what I've already written and make it better, to massage it, to add information, to add details, to flush things out, to really strengthen whatever I already have down on the paper. Some people are the absolute opposite of me. They love the beginning of a new project. And maybe they even hate revising. Hate is a strong word, but we'll use it here. Or dislike. They dislike revising. They might find it tedious or they simply don't want to spend the time because it is a time-consuming process. If you're not writing, you're not writing, right? Wrong. (laughs) Again, revision is part of the process and it is writing. It's just a different part of 
your writing. Revising more than anything else transforms books from good to great, from okay to spectacular. It has done that for me and it can definitely do that for you. It is so rewarding in my opinion because that revision process is when my books truly come alive. I look at my word choice, my sentence structure, my character development, the dialogue, and the overall plot. I look at all of those things pretty intensely. I examine it all explicitly and also intuitively because it's about the mechanics, yes. It's about the all the writing craft things that we've learned, but it's also about feeling the story. And in order to understand if you've created a story filled with emotion that's going to grip the reader, you have to be able to feel that yourself too. Wherever you fall on the revision spectrum, I encourage you to embrace it, to really just embrace it because it's part of what you need to do. To make it part of your process is essential. Here's an analogy. You may love cooking or baking, creating in the kitchen, making something for others to enjoy, maybe for, just for yourself to enjoy. But you may hate the cleanup. Honestly, I'm right there with you. That is my least favorite part of working in the kitchen. Actually, I think my least favorite part is putting away the clean dishes that I have piled on the drying mat. Regardless, cleanup is not my favorite part. But it is necessary in order to be able to cook or bake again the next day, to have a clean counter, to have all of your ingredients out where you need them, to be able to access what you need and to just enjoy the process of baking or cooking. Plus, at the end of the day, it is actually really nice to have a clean kitchen. So that's a reward in itself. It is the same with revision. The writing of a story, creating something from nothing but your imagination is incredible. Revision is a necessary part of the overall process because it perfects the writing. It gets it ready for someone else to read and thoroughly enjoy. It helps you fulfill reader expectations. And honestly, it clears your mental slate, making it possible for you to move on to your next project. If you still have this one buzzing around in your head, because maybe you know there are things that need to be dealt with, but you didn't do it, that's going to be in the back of your mind. Taking care of it, making that book the best it can be, allows you to let it go into the next stage, publication, off to an agent, off to your editor, whatever that next stage is, and it allows you to have that mental slate clean to make it easier to move on to your next project. I have four steps that I use as I work through the revision process, and I'm sharing those with you today so that you can revise like a boss. All right, here they are. Step one is to step away. Take a break after you finish writing the whole first draft and before you start revising. This allows you time away from the characters and the plot. It allows you to revisit it with fresh eyes and from a fresh perspective. You get very close to everything you're writing, the characters, the plot, the story, while you're writing it. Sometimes too close where you can't see the forest for the trees. Stepping away is like a brain cleanse. It gives you the chance to look at your story with more objectivity. 
It gives you the space that you need to look at the big picture, which is really what you need to do. Step two in my big picture part of the revision process is to then do a quick read. If you take a long time to read through that first draft, you're going to lose a lot of those big picture elements that might need a little work or some tweaking. You're going to miss the gaps potentially or miss the confusing parts or inconsistencies or other big picture things that might need improvement. You're going to miss them because you're taking so much time reading through it that you forget some of the earlier things that happened. You forgot that in chapter one, this person's eyes were green and in chapter 13, they're blue. Or in the previous scene, you had a character sitting down and in the next part of the same scene, they're standing up. But if you took a break, you're not going to remember that necessarily. Those are just minor details. So imagine if you have a bigger plot point and you miss it or a gap, for example, a a gap in your plot and you miss it or some gap in character development and you miss it because you took longer to read through the draft and you forgot the, the inconsistency or the hole because those details are not so fresh in your mind anymore. Instead of doing a leisurely read, then dive right into it. Read it pretty quickly over the course of a weekend. Now, you're not doing line edits. You're not noticing all the little things and making those corrections and revising those bits. You're just doing a big picture read. Line editing is looking at all of those little details and and there's a place for that. But first you need to do this big picture sort of revision. And on your computer or in a little notepad or something, make notes of the things you observe. You're looking for plot inconsistencies, looking closely at the overall structure to make sure that it flows logically, that you haven't missed some step along the way that's needed for readers to have a fulfilling, satisfying experience. You're looking for engagement. Is it gonna keep the reader engaged? Are you engaged? If you get bored, they're gonna get bored. If you're totally engrossed, if you're laughing out loud, if you're getting teary, those are the emotions your readers are going to feel. So that's what you want to look for. Is that stuff happening? Are those emotions happening? You wanna check for plot holes, unnecessary scenes, or a scene that's missing clearly because there's something that's in your brain, but not necessarily on the page. You didn't maybe get it onto the page. Are there scenes or sections that feel rushed or conversely dragged out too slow? So you're looking at pacing. You wanna make sure that your story's conflict, the climax, the resolution, that all of that is solidly done. And big picture, you wanna make sure that your protagonist has undergone a significant change. Think about the hero's journey. They start in the ordinary world. They have flaws, they have conflict. How do they grow over the course of the book that allows them to be resurrected into this hero status? And it doesn't have to be an action book. They need to simply face their conflicts or their fears or conquer whatever it is they're in conflict with. That is your character growth. So make sure that your protagonist has a significant change. 
big picture, you're also looking for consistency. As I mentioned just a moment ago, you're looking for consistency with the details, the setting, the timelines. If it starts on a Sunday and it ends on a Thursday, but you have two Wednesdays in between, well, that's a problem. Is it raining in this scene and five minutes later they're outside sitting on a patio? That's inconsistency. So look for those types of things with behavior, traits, appearance in your characters with inconsistencies in settings and timelines. Ensure that the events and plot points are consistent throughout your narrative. That's all part of step two and you're taking notes during this quick read but you're not fixing things. Step three then is when you move into that line edit and you're gonna dig deeper now. So after you've done the quick read and you've done your big picture assessment, you're gonna dig deeper. You're gonna tackle the things that you noted during that quick read and you're going to fix them in whatever way they need to be fixed. If you have gaps in character development, that's when you need to go back and fill them in. You need to assess your character's motivations and personalities and relationships and make sure that those are working. Add, take away, fix, change, whatever needs to be done. You want to make sure during this digging deeper process that each character is distinct believable, and serves a specific purpose in the story. Don't be afraid to combine two characters. If you have two characters and one of them doesn't really contribute anything to the story, but you want them there for some reason, combine them with another character. Do a kind of hybrid character. Create one, mold one out of two. You want to look for opportunities during this digging deeper stage to deepen character development story arcs and conflicts remember this is not just for your protagonist or even your antagonist everyone is the hero of their own journey everyone so what are these people going through you want to know on your your main character not necessarily your static characters certainly not your flat characters but your main your primary characters what is their journey. That may not make it on the page, but it's certainly going to impact how they deal with any given situation. You also, during this digging deeper stage, want to look closely at dialogue. It should be natural and serve a purpose. It needs to reveal character traits, conflict, internal goals and struggles, advance the plot, or build tension. Those are the five things that dialogue must do. Again, dialogue needs to reveal character traits, present conflict, present internal goals or struggles, advance the plot in some way, or build tension. If it doesn't do one of those things, it doesn't belong in the story. Ensure that your dialogue is authentic and that it helps engage the reader. One of the best ways to do this is to become a student of dialogue, to become an observer, to listen to people speak, to really internalize how speech patterns work. You know, think about Captain Kirk and the heavy pauses that he places in between his basic sentences. How do you write something like that into your dialogue? Well, you use tags and you use action and you use deep point of view in between segments of dialogue in order to create that automatic pause. 
So you want to really listen to how people speak. We don't use each other's names constantly. So you don't want your characters to use one another's names as they speak to them because that's not authentic. That's not natural. So really look at your dialogue. I have a free quick guide to dialogue on the WriterSpark website and also there's a dialogue mini course on the WriterSpark Teachable course site. All of that information is in the show notes. Believe me when I say that poorly written dialogue can doom a project. The second I come across dialogue that does not sound or feel authentic, that feels forced or feels fake or just you know, doesn't sound real. That's it. I put that book down because I cannot get past it. I can't emphasize enough how important mastering dialogue is. With this digging deep section, you also really want to look at your prose, paying attention to the language, the syntax, the style, the sentence structure. This is part of consistency, but it's also part of bringing your story alive, showing versus telling. You want to eliminate repetitive phrases. You want to tighten sentences and vary your vocabulary. You want to bring in sensory detail, sensory language. You want to look for opportunities to enhance descriptions, metaphors, imagery to create a more vivid reading experience. Dialogue is half of it. The prose is the other half of it, and both need to work together to bring the story alive. Step four is beta readers. Only after you have revised your book should you send it to your trusted beta readers, critique partners, share it with your writing group. You want those people to get the best version of what you've created. Definitely gather their feedback and consider their suggestions for improvement. But here's a big caveat. Always remember that it's your story. Take or leave others' feedback based on what you want your story to be. I have a story about that. When I was first looking for an agent, I queried so many. Agents in big firms, agents in small boutique companies, and everyone in between. So many agents. As it happened, I ended up with two offers at the same time. One was from a well-known and successful agent at Trident Media Group, which is a huge company. The other was from a pretty well-known agent as well who ran her own boutique company. Honestly, I didn't know what to do. I was new to publishing. I was green. I was so fortunate to be able to get this offer for representation from two people, but I didn't know which one to choose. I relied on the expertise of other people, of the people around me in the writing groups, the writing writing organizations that I was part of. The advice I got from almost everyone was to go with the agent in the big firm. They felt it was better to have somebody with that kind of clout behind them representing my work. I know now that that is absolutely not the case. You just need a champion of your work. Doesn't matter what size agency they come from, it's the relationships that they build with the editors they're pitching to. That's what's most important. I didn't understand that back then. So I took the advice of everybody around me and I went with the agent in the big firm. That's what I did. It's hard to say that it was a mistake, I don't think it was necessarily a mistake because it was the first step on my journey that led me to where I am now. And I have absolutely no regrets about that. I do wonder, though, what might have happened with my career had I made the other choice. I have no way to know, obviously. Maybe I would be at the same place. Maybe that book would have taken off in a way that it didn't originally. I don't know. 
there's no way to to have that information. There's no crystal ball and um, bibliomancy revealing something about the past isn't going to help me either. My first agent, though, only after I signed her contract, informed me that she wanted me to do a major. And when I say major, I mean major revision. She didn't really rep mysteries much anymore. She said romance was her wheelhouse. Well, she could have told me that before I signed, but she didn't, which left a salty taste in my mouth. She wanted me to downplay the mystery elements in my book as I revised and up the romance. Okay, y'all, the book was Living the Vita Lola. It's a paper PI series. Lola is a private investigator. How was I supposed to downplay the mystery when that's the main concept of the story? It's it's Lola and her family dynamics, Lola figuring out how far she's willing to go for her job, Lola and her love interest, sure, Jack Callahan, Manny Camacho. It's her relationship with her siblings. It's how she fits into the world she's creating and still remains part of the world she came from, the family, the traditional family. It is all of those things, but it's a mystery. There's a case that she needs to solve. So how do you downplay the mystery and up the romance in a book that's primarily a mystery? That was tough. I did what my agent asked, but in the process, I lost my vision for the book. It was no longer what I wanted it to be. In my opinion, it had lost its spark and I had lost my spark for it. It did not sell. After all of that, it did not sell. So after about a a year, that agent and I parted ways amicably. I ended up signing with her assistant who was going out on her own with a different agency. She ended up being my agent for more than 15 years. We revised again, and I took Living the Vita Lola back to what I wanted it to be, a caper mystery, Lola PI, with some bits of romance, i.e. sexy, elements, Jack Allen. I regained my spark for it, and I think the book regained its spark. And that book sold in less than three months. And the book that sold, the story, was true to my vision for it. So the takeaway for me, and I hope for you, is to remember that ultimately you're writing your story, the story as you want it to be. So consider other people's feedback definitely, but stay true to yourself and revise based on what you want your story to be. The bottom line, revising is a multi-step process. It's essential. It's probably going to take several rounds before your work is polished and ready for that next step, whatever it is. If you accept the process and embrace it, it can be incredibly rewarding. It may never be your favorite part of the writing process, and that's okay. But again, it's essential, and it is so worth the effort. I did not have all this mapped out early on. I didn't have these four steps. This has come over 15, 18 years in this industry now. And and after 32 books, I know what works for me. This is how I tackle writing a book and revising a book. I hope there's something that you can take away from the way that I revise books. Remember those four steps. Step one, to step away. Step two, to do a quick read. Step three, to dig deeper, aka do line edits. 
and fix those big picture items that you observe during your quick read. And step four is to have your beta readers, critique group, et cetera, et cetera, give you their feedback, which you then take with a grain of salt. That's it, you guys. Revision is king. Revise like a boss. And I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening and spending your time with me today, everyone. I'm Melissa Bourbon, and this is the Writer's Spark Podcast. Take a moment to visit our website at www.writersparkacademy.com. Check out our courses, our resources, and all the content there. And I will see you next time. Until then, happy writing.